Amen. Thank you so much. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Worthy is the Lamb to receive glory and honor and power. If you haven't figured it out, that's how we're going to spend eternity. We're going to spend our time before the throne praising the one who gave his life to save us, praising the God uh, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, lifting his name up forever, for he is exalted. Today, I want to say happy Easter. Jesus is risen. He's risen indeed, and I am so thankful. Yeah, we can say, we can applaud, we can shout, we can say hallelujah, because our King lives. Today, we're in some ways wrapping up a series um, on the life of Jesus. We were looking at Mark, uh, the last few chapters of that gospel message, looking at the stories, showing that this is this journey to the empty tomb. But the journey's not over. The journey is a life that God has called us to leave, live in relationship with our risen Savior. Today, uh, though we want to look a little bit characters, these people who were involved in that first moment. For us, you may have Easter memories. You may have times with family. You might have special meals. The activities with kids were always my favorite, right? I don't know if you did special decorations. I didn't know if you did the Easter egg hunts. I don't know if you've done all of those kinds of things. Um, but Easter was always kind of this celebration. For my mom, she would always get the new clothes, and you had to wear the, the new Sunday Easter outfit. Did anybody have those? And you would pretty much wear the Sunday Easter outfit pretty much every Sunday uh, from then on until the next Sunday. Next Easter came around. That was kind of your Sunday outfit. That's how, that's how we did it. These Sunday memories, could you imagine if you were one of those first Easter Christians? One of those first people that were there. Could you imagine recounting the story year after year? Or would it be week after week? Or would it be day after day that he is risen, that he is not here? Would you have been one of the ones that said, I saw the stone, or I was there. I, I actually took his body down. I, he was dead, I promise you. Joseph, who had wrapped it in linen. Could you imagine these characters? I, I guess as this Easter go around, this time as I encountered the story for myself, I began to think about the characters, the people who were there. That first character we saw in the story today was a man named Joseph. And, and I guess I can appreciate Joseph of Arimathea. You see, in the other Gospels, that tell us that he was from a town named Arimathea, that he was a wealthy man, that this, this tomb that he had found was probably his own. He, he was one that was wealthy enough to have a stone cut in the rock. And in that time, one of the ways they did burials, one of the most common ways, was to have these caves in sort of like limestone quarries. They would have these caves where they would lay bodies for a while, and while the bodies would ultimately uh, deteriorate uh, and decay, they would come back later and put the bones in a box. And then they would put the label of the person's name and everything in the box. It was called an ossuary. And they would have other caves that would just be filled with the boxes. Sort of like a mausoleum. It was a fairly efficient way to, 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 to take care of and, and hold the remains of the dead and their bones. And so this own uh, cave, this tomb that had been prepared for Jesus probably had been made by Joseph, maybe for himself and for his family. They would often use a large stone to cover onto that entrance because you would put multiple bodies in there. You could roll the stone back and roll it down. It would roll downhill slightly so that these stones that, that could be placed in front of the tomb would keep people out, and it would be very hard to get into. You'd have to have several people to roll the stone back, but very easy for someone to close off and to seal. 
Joseph of Arimathea, who was a man of some standing, a man of wealth, was actually, we're told in the scriptures, a leader in the Jerusalem's council, the Sanhedrin. This would have been the leading religious authority. This would have been the group that would make judgments about all things related to religious matters, matters relating, pertaining to God. This judge, this person of honor, this person had become a follower of Jesus and had not given consent when the rest of the Sanhedrin condemned him to death, when the rest of the Sanhedrin sent him off to Pilate. Joseph said no. He was the one of the two that did not give their consent into uh, this sentencing of Jesus to, the, to death. You know, especially maybe right now, I can kind of appreciate someone who takes a stand. Someone who has some political authority who says, you know, I know what's right. And this Jesus is innocent. This Jesus is from God. This Jesus is telling us truth. I can appreciate someone who would honor truth. Someone who would take a stand. Someone who would even risk his own position. Who would risk his own standing in the community. Someone who would bear a little bit of the shame of Jesus to say, I will leverage my wealth. I will leverage my position to go to Pontius Pilate to ask for the body to make sure that he's taken care of and laid into a tomb that was of honor and a place that Jesus would deserve. I can appreciate a man like that. I'm thankful for someone like that. In the story, the women stand out though, don't they? I, I can appreciate a Mary Magdalene and a Mary, the mother of Joseph, these women who followed, apparently, Joseph of Arimathea, who went all the way to see, the scripture tells us, where he was laid, to see the actual tomb where he was put. Now, this becomes very important for us when we think of, was this true? Some have questioned the resurrection, saying, well, maybe the disciples just went to the wrong tomb and thought, hey, look, he's not here anymore. He must have come back from the dead. No, there were eyewitnesses that went to make sure they knew exactly where they had laid Jesus, where they exactly they had put him. Now notice, it wasn't the main disciples. It wasn't Peter. It wasn't James. It wasn't John. It wasn't these men who had been there, the men who God had used to do miracles in the name of Jesus, these followers who had proclaimed the message of Jesus from town to town. They had abandoned him. But these women, they were faithful. These women no matter how painful they had to, it was for them to watch the suffering of their Messiah King, uh, one that they had loved for years and years, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Joseph, they were there. They were at the foot of the cross. They watched what had happened. They saw the body being taken down, and it had to be gut-wrenching, and they went all the way, maybe weeping as they went, but they went all the way to the tomb. You know, I can appreciate these women who were faithful, these women who went the full distance, no matter how personally painful it was. And if you noticed in the story, there were some other women. Mary Magdalene, the same one, but also Mary, the mother of Joseph, women who, uh, and Mary, the mother of James and Salome. These are women who came back that next morning, uh, two days later after the Sabbath day. They had gotten spices. They were ready to do the ritual burial things that were done uh, for the bodies, maybe the washing, the cleansing, putting on the spices. They were ready to make this happen, and they had come to the tomb um, early in the morning. Could you imagine if that were your job? Could you imagine? If, 
I think I would be done. This wasn't their hometown. Leave this job to others. Uh, This Messiah, this Jesus, this King that we've loved, leave it to others. Somebody else ought to take care of it. The the, the party's over. The the, the gig is gone. Uh, Would they have just given up? Would they have just... So many others did. But these ladies said, no, no, no. We're going to serve even though it's costly. I, I can appreciate people that serve even when it's costly. But let me be honest. I think what I really identify with most is how they went to the tomb that morning and had absolutely no plan for rolling that stone back. I'll confess a little bit. Sometimes it seems like a good idea in my head, but if I haven't really thought the whole thing through, did any of you all do this? You haven't thought how this is going to play out. <clears throat> On cue, our children helped me. You witnessed that this morning, right? <laughs> I really thought it was a good idea to have a big old stone up here. I thought this is going to work out perfect. And obviously the children are going to say, this is a stone, not it's square. I know it's square. I couldn't find it. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> You saw my own face as I was perplexed. And the children said, hey, can I hold the stone? Well, is that a good idea? And old Barry's over there going, no. I'm like, Kathy Roberts over there going, don't you dare. My preschool workers are saying, absolutely. Do not give that child that stone. Do not let that happen. You need to, you know, be, um, think ahead. And I'm sitting like, okay, okay. People are giving me signals. People are helping me out here. I had no plan for making that happen. Pastor Barry on Friday brought one of our messages from our, our, our uh, Good Friday service as we celebrated with Radiant. And he was talking about getting lost. And I've had those experiences um, pre-GPS. Um, pre uh, plug it into your car or into your phone. Um, I definitely did the. Um, I remember it was a hospital visit I was going to go make after after church, and I got my wife to come with me. And uh, it was downtown where the hospitals are. <laughs> and she was like, "But which hospital?" Well, they're all right there together. Well, where exactly right there together? Well, which hospital? Well, which room? Have you planned ahead? You can't just. It was ah. Uh, Sometimes we don't have a plan. I can appreciate the women who were on their way. Like, who's going to roll the stone away? Let's look back at Mark 16. And in verse 2, it says this, Very early on that first day of the week, before people were up, just after sunrise. I mean, there's some of you that are up, but there's a lot of us that aren't up that early. And I think a lot of people weren't there wandering around the tombs. A lot of people weren't there already at the gravesides. And there, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they said, who are we going to get to roll that stone away? Now, perhaps they knew that the guards were there. Perhaps they knew that the Roman soldiers were there. But was that going to be a benefit? Or was that actually putting them in danger? The Romans weren't very nice to the people that they had conquered and to the people that they oppressed. Did, did these women, who might feel defenseless uh, amongst these foreign soldiers, was that actually precarious? I'm not sure they could trust that the Roman soldiers were going to help roll the stone. I'm not sure they could trust that the Roman soldiers wouldn't have abused them in some way. Who is going to help roll the stone? Who who is going to actually intercede for us with these soldiers to make sure that we're not harassed? These women put their trust in God and, and actually sort of didn't have a plan to work out the details of what was going to happen to take care of the body 
Jesus. There's a truth this morning. There's a big truth this morning. God always has a plan. I, I, I get it. Things catch us off guard. Things are confusing to us. But God always has a plan. Now that doesn't mean we don't need to do some planning. <laughs> that doesn't mean we don't need to think about how is this going to work out with these children. That doesn't mean we don't need to like go ahead and look something up on the maps or go ahead and have an address. That doesn't mean we just shouldn't plan. But when it comes to the big issues in our lives, we can trust that God has a plan. God already had a plan for the stone. God already had a plan of how to handle the soldiers. We can see that in this next slide. God already had a plan for the stone. God already had a plan for the soldiers. And in Matthew 28, we see in another gospel account, it says this, that there was actually a violent earthquake that morning, for an angel of the Lord had come down from heaven, and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and sat upon it. It says that his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid that they shook and, and became like dead men. They passed out in fear. God had a plan. By the time the women had gotten there, the guards looked like they're asleep. They're not asleep. <laughs> they're out cold. The stone is already gone. The angel is now inside and welcoming in there saying, you're looking for Jesus the Nazarene. He's not here. He's risen. Our God had a plan. As Pastor Barry shared on Friday night, God had a plan before the creation of the world, before Adam had ever sinned, before Eve had ever sinned, before sin had entered into his creation, before his creation had even come into being. God had a plan for the salvation of us all, and his plan was his son, Jesus Christ. His plan was the king of glory, the one by whom and for whom the universe was made, would become a man, would be incarnated, would become like us, would die on a cross, and three days later, he would rise from the dead to be our internal mediator, the one that is in between us and God, the one by whom and for whom the universe was made now has become our inter intercessor, the one who prays for us, who intercedes for us, who now makes us righteous in God's sight. We now approach the throne, as we sang earlier, to gain a crown, a crown that's not our own, a crown that belongs to Jesus, that we take and throw at his feet to say, worthy is the Lamb of God who was slain. God already had a plan. The soldiers, that wasn't a problem. This big stone that I couldn't have moved, you might not have been able to move. All of us together might have been able to move. But he had a plan. He had his angel that would take care of all of the details. God already had a plan. But what might be even more important is that God already had a word a word in mind that he wanted to share, that he shared through his angels to these ladies, a word of hope, a word of truth, and I think it's a word that we need to hear. God already had a word, and his word is, don't be afraid. Jesus is alive. <laughs> don't be afraid. Jesus is alive. I, I'm so afraid of so many things. I'm so afraid of so many things. How is it going to work out? Especially when I don't have a good plan. <laughs> How is it going to work out for my life, for my career, facing an illness, facing big exams, facing uh, career changes, facing 
shrinking housing values and 401k, but how is it going to work out? We have so many things that can make us afraid. But Christians, we've got a different story. Jesus is alive. If Jesus is alive, that puts everything in perspective. If Jesus is alive, that means all of this is temporary. If Jesus is alive, eternity is secure. What does this little bit of moment, this blink of an eye life matter because God has got the eternity taken care of? Don't be afraid. Jesus is alive. Let's see it in the text. Look at Mark 16. What does the angel say? Don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene. I already know who you're looking for. Don't be scared. Oh, oh, he's not here. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's not here. He's risen. The one who was crucified. He's alive. Don't be alarmed. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. Go tell his disciples. Go tell Peter. Go tell all. I mean, the guy who denied him. Yeah, go tell him too. Go tell them all. Jesus is alive. You don't have to be afraid. In the book of uh, Hebrews, it says that the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory. The exact representation of all his being. You want to know God, you know Jesus. You've got to know him because he, in all, in Jesus, all the fullness of God dwelt in bodily form. He's the exact representation of God's being. And Jesus sustains all things by his powerful word. I don't even begin to understand what that means. But somehow everything is in his hands. And after Jesus had provided that purification for sins, after Jesus had died on the cross, according to God's foreknowledge, according to what the prophets had said, after Jesus laid down his life for sins, well, now he sits at the right hand of majesty in heaven. We have a security. Don't be afraid. Jesus is alive. The other thing, though, that the angel said, that might have a really big importance to us. He says, go. Go tell his disciples. Go tell his disciples that they will see Jesus. Brothers and sisters, we have a little bit of a task. It's a similar task. Go tell that we will see Jesus. Go tell we will see the Lord. Look in Mark chapter 16 again. Um, Go tell we will see Jesus. Here it is in verse 7. But go tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee and there you will see him. I want to stop for a second because some of you might feel a little bit more like Peter's the one you identify with. Do you remember Peter, right? Peter was this fisherman called by God, called by Jesus. I'm going to make you into a fisher of men. Uh, His name was Simon. Why do we keep calling him Peter? Well, because Jesus said, on this rock I'm going to build my kingdom. Well, it probably wasn't Peter. It might have been the rock of the testimony of Peter. But he does tell Peter, I'm going to call you the rock. And so Peter somehow, gosh, the rock. If you've got a nickname, right? Stone. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it sounds like some of our rest of square stone <laughs> instead of uh, uh, didn't have a plan, planless one. That's probably my nickname. But but yeah, the, the idea of, of the rock, the stone. The, I mean, it sounds like like the WWE or something, right? I mean, they all got names like the Rock or the Stone or you know something like that, right? The Punisher. Um, some kind of some kind. Of, yeah, I, w- I want a big strong name, the Rock. But here was Peter. On the night Jesus was betrayed, right before he's going to be crucified, the night that he goes through trial, warming himself outside by the fire, a servant girl says, hey, weren't you a follower of Jesus? 
the guy on trial. You're, you're one of the, his guys, right? Nope, nope, not, not me. <laughs> Again, the servant girl asks, you were with him. I saw you in the, in the garden. Nope, 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 not me. Finally, Peter's calling down curses on himself, saying, I don't know the man. Three times in one night, Peter denied Jesus. Maybe you identify with the person who has denied Jesus and who he is in your life. Maybe you've been one who's turned your back. Maybe you've doubted him. Go tell his disciples and Peter. Peter needs to know too. Jesus is alive. Not in, in, in a way to make him feel guilty or, or like you failed, Peter. See, now, boy, you're really going to pay for it because Jesus is coming back and he's probably going to have something to say to you. <laughs> Jesus did have something to say to him. Peter, do you love me? And Peter's able to say, yes, Lord, I do. Go feed my sheep. God, who sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world, is not here to be the contemner on your life, the one who brings condemnation in your life. He is the God who wants to say, I love you. I paid for your sins. Come, follow me. Come, find that forgiveness. Come, find eternal life. Go tell his disciples and Peter. <laughs> He's alive. He's going ahead of him, and there you will see him. Brothers and sisters, we need to encourage each other with these words, that he is going ahead. We will see him. Um, Jesus, uh, on that same night he was betrayed, said to his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe in me. Also, my Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you. But I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. He's going to prepare a place for us, a place uh, for eternity. And did you catch that? Look in this next verse in verse 3. If I'm going to prepare that place, I will come back. Brothers and sisters, go and tell because we will see Jesus. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says, The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command in the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive, in verse 17, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. I guess my question today is, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to experience the life that God has got for you? That life that really is supposed to be lived without so much fear, because Jesus is alive. Are you ready to start living like a believer? Are you ready to start living in that resurrection power? Are you ready? If Jesus were to come back this week, this month, this year, or 10,000 years from now, if Jesus comes back, are you ready to spend eternity with him? Are you ready to not only live this life with him, but to live the next life with him? It's a simple thing. All of us have a choice to make. Do you believe what is of first importance? That Jesus died according to scriptures. That he was buried, and that three days later he rose according to scriptures. That anyone who would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Today we're going to sing that song again that 
Uh, Scott let us in a moment ago. We're going to sing about our Redeemer who lived. But for some of you, you may not know that Redeemer. If you would like to know that Redeemer today, would you say, Jesus, come into my life. I want to know if you're real. For some of you, maybe you're looking for a church home. If you want to come to the front, we'd be happy to, to say, yeah, and tell you what it is to be part of this church and what, explain to you what it is to be a member here and to place your life with us here. But let's sing. But more importantly, let's live. Let's live in the light that our Redeemer is alive, that our Savior, it reigns forever and is in His throne. Let us live knowing that He is with us. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word today. Inhabit the praises of Your people. Continue to reaffirm Your resurrected life in us. Take it all. It all belongs to You. We pray this for your glory, Lord Jesus, and in your name, amen. If you won't need to respond, you come. Stand as we sing. I'll be at the front. You come and respond. There 